Welcome back to Becoming Byzantine, and today we're going to continue looking at the faith of the church, and more specifically, uh, we're going to look at God's revelation, how God has worked in history to reveal himself to us. So let's just begin by stating that fact. We believe that God has revealed himself and has made known to us his will. That's the basis of anything and everything we know about God. The fact that God is infinite and we have been created, and the fact that we know that there is a God is because in one way or another, as we shall see, he has revealed himself to us and made known to us his desires for us, for his world, and for his creation. Now, this revelation is understood by the church to be contained within really two aspects. Firstly, holy tradition, and secondly, the holy scriptures. And those two vehicles which transmit to us God's revelation of himself have been entrusted to the church which he founded. Now, knowing that we have been entrusted with that great gift, the church then encourages everyone to come to the knowledge of God. So it admits that everyone, anyone, can come to a knowledge of God. And because that's the intention of God, God wants to reveal himself to us. God wants us to know about him. Then the church, which has been entrusted with that revelation of God, cannot do anything except encourage us to come to know God. And in fact, that knowledge of God is a progressive knowledge. There is simply no way that we can know an infinite being all in one go. It is something that has to grow within us. It's something that becomes progressively deeper. Just as in any human relationship, we, we can't know everything about a person or even about ourselves uh, in, in the first instance. It's something that has to grow within us. Now, the summit of God's revelation is in, in the incarnation of the, of the Son of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, if you think about it, right, so you have the invisible God, the invisible creator, who makes himself known in a preeminent way, in a, in a visible way. And of course, the most preeminent visible way is in the fact that God became incarnate. The, and as we shall see, the, the, really one of the, of the Holy Trinity, the second person of the Trinity, becomes incarnate in the world. And the purpose of that incarnation is, is the same thing as God's intention all along, to reveal himself to the world. And when we look more about at, at who Christ was and what he intended to do, we'll see that he had a very, also a very specific mission, a, a salvific mission. But just from a basic point of view, the point of looking at God's revelation, it comes to a high point in the revelation of the Son. And that revelation was, again, received, but this time received by the apostles, the disciples that, that the Son himself had chosen, to whom he entrusted the word, and to whom he entrusted the mission of proclaiming him to the entire world. And eventually they would go on to witness to Christ by their preaching and uh, the example of their lives, most of whom dying for their faith. But they 
established their successors in the very same revelation, the very same faith. And those are, that's what we call the apostolic tradition. So the apostolic tradition is nothing except the same revelation that they received simply handed on to their successors. And uh, their successors would gradually, again, come to know uh, the Lord and come to deepen their understanding of the one and same mystery. And so the church looks back at the Holy Fathers, the Holy Fathers who began to unfold, to unpack, to progressively reveal in, in greater depth the, the revelation that God had entrusted to the world, to the apostles, in and, and through the Son, and then on to their successors. Now, of course, there are some aspects of that mystery which are easy to understand, and there are some aspects which are very, very difficult to understand, preeminently among which is, is likely the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity. So that's one of the things that throughout the ages, you know, the church looks at and says, this, is, this has been revealed to us, but it's something that surpasses our human understanding. And so there are some things that are received by faith because they're part of the tradition that's been handed down. They're part of the, the, the encounter with God that those first disciples had and that they tried in, in their best human way possible to describe what they were coming to learn about God and, and what they were experiencing, what they were encountering in God. So their faith is what opened them up to the fact that God is infinite and he's, he's full. And our knowledge is because we are human, because we are created, limited. It's partial in in at least in this life, as we come to know uh, this, this God who reveals himself to us. But because of that faith, because we have that ever openness towards understanding more and more, that God does give uh, an ever greater fullness in, in our knowledge of him. And so it's not something that only depends upon our intellect. Because if you think about it, if if all we did is relied on our intellect, then our God would be exactly and only what we ourselves could think but then god would be finite the fact is god is infinite he's much greater than us and so through faith as well as through using our our mind and our reason we come to a, an ever greater fullness in the knowledge of god now the church is uh, an expert in that because we've been around for 2000 years and that's what we what we describe as a sacred history. It's not just any old history, a secular history, as though of any nation or group of people. It's a sacred history because it's a history of God's dealing with his people, revealing himself to his people, and his people coming to understand their origins, their creator, their maker, throughout the many millennia of, of creation and of humanity. And it really is something that is uh, enormous in its breadth. That sacred history is something that we come to know more and more. Now, so we go back to the, the beginning. The, the faith of the church is founded on God's revelation. It's a very important to understand that God, the, the, the church cannot proclaim something to be believed 
which isn't, at least in some way, linked with God's revelation of himself. So God decides from before time that because of the fullness of his love, he's not just going to create the world, but he's also going to reveal himself to the world. He's going to be involved in the life of his creation for one reason. He wants to call that creation to communion with himself. Now, of course, specifically speaking here about human beings. Human beings are called to, to be in communion with him. So he creates them. And because he loves them, he doesn't settle with just creating them and letting them uh, be uh, and, and, and leaving them to their own devices. He calls them to communion with him. Now, he knows how he's going to reveal himself to them. Okay. And so what we what the catechism uh, calls that is divine pedagogy. Pedagogy is how I teach someone something. But the divine pedagogy is how the divinity, how God decides to teach us. And because he knows we're finite and limited, he decides to communicate to us, himself to us, gradually. He prepares us in stages to reveal himself. And we have many images in the scripture of how and why he does that. We would simply be overwhelmed, burned up, if you will, if we came to know an, an infinite bright light all at, all at once without gradually preparing ourselves for that encounter. Almost like when a person wakes up in the morning and their eyes need time to adapt to the brightness or vice versa. When we go into the darkness at night, our eyes need time to adapt to that. The way that human beings are is that we need to be prepared in stages gradually to enter into communion with God. That's how he is dealing with us because that's how he created us. Now, when we, when we, the church, have come to learn about God, we kind of look at ourselves and say, well, we are created, we're finite, but he's infinite. And the, the, the name which he has given himself in the scriptures uh, shows that. He calls himself the one who is. I, I am who exists. He is not simply another creature. He is existence in himself. Uh, and, and that's how we can distinguish ourselves from him. We were created out of nothing, but nothing created the creator. Nothing created God. He existed before created existence was was ever made, ever, ever came into being. And so that name is so very appropriate. God is the one who is, who always existed from all eternity and created us from nothing. He has the fullness of life. He gave us life. And so we owe everything and our very existence to him. And people throughout the history of, of, of creation have been able to tell by contemplating nature and creation, looking at the laws of nature, looking at the harmony within nature, that there is a wisdom and a beauty behind that. And there is therefore a creator uh, behind that. So even just contemplating the world, contemplating how its laws um, how it operates in its laws and its harmony and its in its wisdom. There's there's something behind there that suggests that it, it merely was not it was not merely accidental. There was something uh, moving it 
in order for it to be the way it is now. And so there is a limited but sure way of coming to know God by coming to know his creation. So we are living in the presence of God by being within his creation. And because we're in his presence, we can come to know something about God, even though it's not a complete knowledge, but at least it's something. So God reveals himself in a special way to us in his sacred history. And that's how we come to know more specifically about God, more definitively about God. Now, in in the history of his people, he shows us an involvement, an involvement with his people. And the, the deeds that he works in history and the words which he has communicated to us have a, a unity, a unity with one another. So as we look back at our history, we can trace the, the prints of God, the, the footprints or the handprints of God in his creation. He's not just a, a, a creator, but he is also a father, a father and a savior as we'll see in, in when we look at, you know, who God the Father and God the Son is, and also God, God the Holy Spirit. So there's a unity there, but it's looking in hindsight. It's looking in hindsight. Through faith, for example, we can see God is going to work. But when God has worked, we can look back and say, yes, there's a unity. There seems to be unity here in history of what he's done. Uh, He worked his deeds and he taught us by his words. And then we can understand eventually when the high point comes of, 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 of the incarnation of Christ, we can realize that all of that eventually culminated reached its uh, fulfillment in the coming of christ now we go back to the very beginning and, and christ himself was always referring to the beginning in his teachings he referred to adam and eve and he said he, he taught us that god uh, had a very specific and important role for us in creation he wanted us to be involved in 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 his creation you know he didn't simply just create us as automatons or robots we were to be a central and high point in his creation we were to continue the work that he had begun that he had entrusted us to and he made us in his image he said be fruitful and multiply so we we are if you will doing a godly thing in a human way and throughout history we have been seeking We've been seeking the meaning of our existence precisely in in our humanity and doing what we do. And as we'll see when we talk about the fall, in also failing to do what we should have done and and how that can, can affect us. So the human being desires knowledge of God. There's something innate within us that seeks to know where we came from. And as Christians, we believe that... The meaning of everything is is summed up in Christ. And it's so important that no other revelation exists. This is the clear teaching of of the Holy Scriptures and of our faith, that that only the revelation of Christ gives the fullness of the meaning of, of what we are searching for. No other revelation exists. We are saved by no other name under the sun except by the name of Jesus Christ. 
And it's that revelation, the fullness of that revelation brought by Christ, which uh, fulfills everything else that had been prepared beforehand, which fulfills every everything that we have spoken about, about how we come to know about God. In Jesus Christ, everything is summed up and fulfilled. And that's the faith that we offer as members of the church. And now, living in the church, we now live that sacred history in our celebration, in our being. It's called the sacred time of salvation. And in this sacred time of salvation, we're living the sacred mysteries, the saving mysteries of Christ, which he inaugurated. He fulfilled everything that came before and inaugurated this new time where we are now living the saving mysteries in full. And now we can look back at the Old Testament and all of the preparation that God made throughout history and say, yes, he was preparing me to live and to be what I am right now. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever.